you that you don't live in Alaska. Somebody say amen. You know what? Texas is God's country, and when we see that sun shining, we know that God is smiling down on us, giving us grace, giving us blessings, and He gave us the country of Texas to live in. I don't know about you, but I am proud to be in Texas, and I'm proud to live in Texas. And you know what I'm more proud of? I'm proud to be a United States citizen. You know what else I'm more proud of? I'm proud that I'm a Christian, that Jesus saved me, and that He's given me eternal life. i got reason to celebrate this morning. Hallelujah! It's time to get excited. We're here to worship. Let's worship Him this morning. Well, good morning to you. It's good to see each and every one of you this morning. I want to ask God to bless you and ask God to reach out and touch you this morning and open our hearts to hear from Him. Well, let me tell you a little bit about what's going on. First things first, if you're visiting with us this morning, we want to welcome you. Ask you to fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you. Place it in the offering place that comes around so we can have a record of your visit. We greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well. Ask God to bless you and ask you to consider being right here in the sanctuary with us to experience what God is doing here at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. Tell me you're part of what Father God is doing here. Well, my goodness, today is a very special day. Uh, after services today, the choir will meet at 4.30 over in the choir room for a short choir practice, is what we were told. So be there at 4.30 if you're in the choir. Afterwards, at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a very special service. We're going to ordain a new deacon for the C.D. Burroughs. And so be, yes, amen. Yes, blessed be the name of the Lord. So we'll do that ordaining service tonight. And after that, we're going to do a traditional Baptist thing. We're going to eat, amen. <laughs> we're going to have dinner on the ground after that ordaining service. So uh, plan to be a part of that as well. Come and be a part of it. and be a blessing, a wonderful time. And you too can be uh, installed in that blessings there here at Wellington Avenue Baptist Church. All right. So that's today, Monday night, Experience of God will resume. 6 o'clock till 7.30, and that's in the Experience of God group. Remember, you need to do those two weeks that we just now. So that's 5 and 6. So be ready for that. We'll go through both of those on Monday, tomorrow night, and we'll be back on track. So get ready for that. It's going to be a wonderful time in uh, Experience of God, and we're picking back up for that. Also, if you're interested in it, we'll share with you there's going to be a new class coming up in August called The Way of the Master. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's a, a class on sharing personally your faith with somebody who's evangelizing, reaching out, and giving the gospel to those that are lost. And so that's going to be a neat, neat, neat class. And I want to encourage you to be praying about that right now, The Way of the Master. All right. So what else is happening at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church? Well, number one. I want to remind you that you have not brought back your baby bottle boomerang offering. Please do so as soon as possible. We have eight bottles that are still out, so please bring those back and get them to us so we can get those turned into Hope Pregnancy. We would greatly appreciate that. And they would as well. And thank you for uh, being a part of that. It's a blessing, a wonderful ministry, and I believe you'll get blessed to be a part of that. Um, so don't forget about that. Also begin praying. Church got a 4th of July community out. We're going to put together on the 4th of July at 12 o'clock. We'll have a downtown out. We'll have the golf teams out. We'll have many outside games. We'll have music going. We're going to cook some hamburgers and hot dogs. Have some potato chips and fries if you're willing to bring them. Uh, and we're going to give them out to the community free and invite them in to come be a part of that on 4th of July. So that's from 12 to 4 here at Robinson Avenue, our community outreach. And then in the evening time, Dr. will be having fireworks in the city park. Some of us are going to meet together there with bottles of water and gospel tracks, and we're going to give them out that evening. So prayerfully consider being a part of that and, and being a part of working in that. We do need some help in that.
stand up, tearing down, and we'll need help uh, cooking and cooking need help in the side. So we're going to have those hamburgers and hot dogs and things to go with those on the side. And someone, someone had the audacity to say, Pastor, what goes with a hamburger hot dog? Tater salad? Macaroni salad? You know what else? Baked beans, amen. <laughs> Woo! Right? So those are good things to go with that right there. And if you really want to know my favorite side to a grilled hamburger, grilled hot dog, those de- deviled eggs. Somebody say it again, right? <laughs> That's right. So if you want to bring a deviled egg, I will help you eat it. Praise God. That's what I will. I'll put my heart into that as well. All right. So that is some things that are happening in the Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. And I want to ask you to prayerfully be a part of that. Also, to remind you that coming up on July 12th, we're going to have an interesting uh, service here for the Wednesday night. Interesting service. We're going to have uh, a lady come. She's going to uh, talk to us in that Wednesday evening about Corey Tim Boone. We're going to do a presentation on Tim Boone. And we had it here a couple of years ago, and we're going to bring it back. And so, what we're going to do is ask you to prayerfully be a part of that. We're going to take a love offering for her that evening to cover her gas and her expenses. And it's supposed to be a blessing. Uh, if you know anything about Corey Tim Boone, her family uh, had a great impact during World War II during the Holocaust where they hid the Jews inside of their home and inside of their workshop. In fact, they made movies on it called The Hiding Place. And so if you're interested in that, it's going to be on July 12th. So please come and be a part of that. And please consider uh, reaching in and blessing her as she shares with us about Corey Tim Boone. I'm excited about that. All right. So also on 4th of July, church Send your attention back to that. The youth are going to be having another fundraiser. We are last fundraiser before they get to camp. What we're going to have is a cakewalk. And that'll be a lot of fun. You know what a cakewalk is? You just bid on the cake and you walk on the cake. Maybe you win one and don't you pay money to get in. And we're needing some cake donations, obviously. Uh, so if you're, if you're willing to make a cake or a pie or anything of that nature, a dessert, it doesn't necessarily have to be a cake. Uh, if you would donate for the youth to be able to auction off and sell off in that cakewalk, uh, we would greatly appreciate that as well. And that's going to help our kids get to camp. We're uh, almost at our goal. And so we feel like and hope and pray that this will bring us right to where our goal is. So prayerfully consider uh, donating those cakes in that. And someone wants to ask you, Pastor, what's your favorite cake? Chocolate. Amen. Yes. <laughs> so the, the kids like that as well. So uh, those things right there will go a long way in getting your youth group to camp. All right. I uh, want to remind you that July uh, 15th, we have a folks' first Operation Christmas Child Workshop from 10 to 12. We plan to be there. And then the following up, the end of July, on the 29th, we'll have Operation Christmas Child Work Day. We'll get together. I think it's a craft day. Is that right? We get so craft day coming up in there. Item of the month for those to see is toys. So I think that's about it for our announcements. If I forgot something, have I forgotten anything? Oh, there is one more I need to share with you. Uh, yes, it's true. Robert Stanley Baptist Church is currently hiring a new church secretary. If you're interested, you may apply at rabccode.org. Click uh, Church Announcement, and you'll find the application right there. You can apply online and upload your resume right there. So, already have a few resumes in that, but we are interested in a large pool to begin praying about. So, we'll keep that open for a few more weeks. Please, 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 prayerfully consider being a part of that. There's a ministry, and then you can do this in ministry. So, you feel like you can be a part of that, go ahead and apply. It's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to be a part of all of these things. All right. Unless there's anything else, let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Our Father, who art in heaven, we come to you in Jesus' name. We give you much praise. We give you much thanks for this day.
bless us now, Lord God. We're going to worship. May we worship you in truth and spirit. May our hearts sing forth your praise, Lord. May you be inhabited in our prayers today, Lord. May we worship you in truth and spirit. May your name be glorified and magnified. And I pray, Father God, that there be anyone who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior for that praise you that day. To give the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God, please rise and bless one another.
right, if you would, let me give you just a few more additions to our announcements. Number one, uh, someone asked me, uh, why are we hiring a new church secretary? Well, Miss Monica is retiring. She's done an outstanding job for two years. Yes, and we are grateful for what she's done, and she will be a part of uh, selecting our new secretary and hopefully a part of training our new secretary as well. So uh, please be in prayer about that. Also, uh, the men have created a church work day on July 21st. So I, I forgot to share that out as well. July 21st will be that work day. I think it's going to be 8 to 12. Is that right, Brother Jones? 8 to 12. So it'll be our church work day, July 21st. All right. Unless there's anything else, I'm going to turn it over to Brother Mark. Come here with me. Work.
Stephanie Summer. Thank you, Stephanie. What a blessing. What a blessing that is. Well, good morning. If you have your Bible, get in touch with me to the book of Job. The book of Job. Evil 
still he holdeth fast fast his integrity. Although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause, and Satan answered the Lord and said, Sin for sin. Yea, all that a man hath for he gives for his life. But put forth thine thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee for thy sake. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord, and smote Job before boils from the sole of his foot to his crown. And he took him a pot stick, and shaped himself with all, and he sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. Now when Job's two friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came every one from his own place, Eliphaz the Canaanite, Bildad the Shuite, Zophar the Namathite, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, they lifted up their voice and wept, and they rent every one his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads from heaven. So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights. And none spake a word in him. They saw that his grief was very great. Our Father in heaven, we look into your word this morning. We look at what happened with Job. We look at what happened with Job's friends. I'm asking you, Father God, to teach us. Open our hearts to your son. If there be anyone who needs to come to know this person, the Lord, Savior, Father God, we will you that day. We give you the praise, honor, and glory. Picture I'd like for you to see up up here in a second of an artist's representation of what Job may have looked like if he had been struck by Satan from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head with boils. With boils. And we don't really know what disease or malady that may have been. There's been a lot of people out there who said maybe it came to the mouth. We don't know. All I can tell you is this whatever it was was very grievous to the point where. Job took a pot stick, if you'll look closely in that picture, you'll see the broken pot, where the pot stick is, and he scratched the boils, and he rubbed them to comfort them. There is Job's three buddies right there, sitting on the ground, not recognizing him at first, because he was so smitten with grief and with boils, they could not recognize him, but they actually began grieving, so they got close to him. Sat down for seven days without saying a word. Now, before, this happens, if you were a Job reader, you probably know in Job chapter 1, that Satan also came along and included himself in the assembly of God's people, and he uh, mentioned about Job, or God actually mentioned about Job, and the devil said, let's take away his possessions. And so, some great uh, evils have happened to Job. He lost his children, he lost his belongings, his cattle, he lost his goats, his sheep, and he lost his servants, and the houses all fell down. In fact, there's nothing but misery with him if you'll get into Job. And so that's where we pick up in Job chapter 2, where Satan returns and God says, Have you seen Job? He hasn't done what you said he would do. He's still my servant. That's where we're going to pick up this morning. So what happened to Job? I said earlier, he lost all his donkeys, he lost all his oxen, he lost all his service. In fact, a raiding Bedouin came. Tornado came, or violent winds came, his sheep and his servants were taken away, his camels and his servants were taken away, all his 
sons and daughters were feasting in one house, and the house collapsed in on them. And could you imagine anything more tragic than that? Finally, when we get into chapter 2, the devil says something amazing. He says, Skin for skin! That's an old way to say, Hey, you reach out and touch him personally, not just the family, but touch him personally. Reach out and cause him pain to a black face. So quick. So, God says, go ahead. But you got to keep them alive. And that's how the devil gets boiled all over Job's body. Boiled now all over his body. And his wife shows up. She says, why don't you just curse God and die? Privilege now is Job having lost all his wealth, all his power, all his stature, all his influence. Nobody cares what Job has to say anymore because in their view, in their way of thinking, God has turned his face from Job. What we'll focus on this morning, today, is Job's circumstances. He's bankrupt. His wife encourages him to blaspheme and die. And literally, if you understand the context and the background of it, this is what she's saying. Go ahead and get killed so I can be free from you because you're bankrupt. Literally, what you're saying. I'd like the chance to remarry, so go ahead and kick the bucket, Joe. Well, she loved her husband, didn't she? She loved him. However, we need to understand a few things about the book of Job. Number one, it is in Hebrew poetry, so it's a banter back and forth. And we're not going to get too much into that this morning. But I want you to understand the context of it. Number one, it's the oldest book oldest one that we have. Oldest one. Yet it contains a Persian word. A Persian word. You know, we didn't pick up Persian dialect until the captivity. Until the Persian kingdom overtook the Babylonian kingdom. That's right. And out of a sudden, in our oldest book, the oldest book that we have, we have a Persian word there. And that word is That Persian word, the Satan. How many of you know something? Perhaps you do know this. Did you know that sometimes we can gain some camaraderie? We can gain some understanding when we sympathize with somebody's pain. Somebody say amen. In fact, misery loves company. Say amen again. Sometimes we know that so much that when we're miserable, we try to make somebody else miserable with us because we want to be. However, perhaps somewhere in Jewish understanding of who the evil one is, they began to see some revenue, some similarity in what Hakkasan means. Perhaps the Jewish way of saying Hakkasan. We know it as the focus, meaning the article, the Hakkasan, meaning the accuser. Meaning the accuser. Revelation. If you're a Bible reader, he's the one who accuses. He's the one who gets in front of God and says, Did you see what they did? Do you know what they did? Did you hear what they said? He's an accuser, and that's his job. That's what he is. That's what he looks like a Hebrew. 
I didn't write that. I found that on my page back. Somebody once said, Pastor, I'm glad you didn't write it because we couldn't read it. The handwriting is terrible. So, one of the prerequisites for our new secretary is she has to read John's handwriting. <laughs> what it means is the accuser. It's almost like the accuser's in office. She's elected to. Or a position that she's like in Hebrew, we have the high priest, the Kohen Hagadol. It's an office, like pastor would be of the church, an office, a place there. The Satan was almost like it was an office, and somebody obtained it. Now, we know, theologically, that's not correct. We know that the Satan is the Satan, but he does have a job, too. And that job is accusing. He is the accuser. He's the one that goes in front of God and says, Did you see this? And I think it's amazing here in the book of Job we see something different where we actually see God saying to Satan, Did you see that? Are you seeing now? You see the advantage of that. Of course you are. Did you consider my servant Job? Did you see that he's righteous? Did you see that he's blameless? Did you see that he's a blessed man? I think it's amazing that God says, take a look at my righteousness. So what can we learn from our look at Job this morning? Besides, of course, that life can sometimes change. It can, can it? Life sometimes doesn't go the way we planned it to be. In fact, if your last name is Morrison, it never goes the way you think it should. In fact, uh, you ever heard of Murphy's Law? That was made because of my family. But I'm telling you right now, if it could happen, it does happen to my family. I've never seen anything like it. We think it's fun. We got to the point where we no longer get mad about it. We just sit back and laugh about it. Say, how is that possible? That's against the laws of physics. Yet somehow it happens to us. Sometimes life is cheap. And Job is no exception. Sometimes people often make wrong assumptions about you and your family. We often see that. Now, I want to remind you of chapter 2 and verse 1, where the Bible tells us, and i got a picture I want you to see again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Satan came with them. I'm waiting for that to pop up. There it is right there. Satan came also among them. And there's some things we need to learn about that. And I guess the first question we need to have is, who are the sons of God? A lot of people ask me that, and they want to debate about that. And in this context, let me go ahead and point it out there. They are those that are up in heaven with God. They are the angels. Some people will say, uh-uh, no way. They're just God's people. Well, that's fine. I want to believe that. It's not going to hurt our sermon this morning. So I think that that's not right. I think that it is true. Whenever the sons of God get together, Satan, this is our first point this morning, Whenever the sons of God get together, and incidentally, I need you to understand something else. The sons of God are the angels in this context, but God doesn't mind calling us sons of God. Are you ready for this now? Because we're getting into our preaching here this morning. Look again with me in Job 2, verse 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. We get a picture of the angels showing up 
to present themselves, to give a report, if you will, unto the Lord. And lo and behold, that sneaky little snake shows up, the one we call the Satan, amongst those angels. And boy, there's something we need to learn about that. And there's something we need to understand from that. Are you ready for this this morning? When we look at angels, we look at God's court, at God's heavenly host up in heaven. And there's all kinds of angels. And we're not going to preach about them this morning. But if we were to take a poll this morning on how many angels could you name, some of us would immediately say Gabriel. Somebody say amen. Some of us would say Michael. Wouldn't we say amen? How many of us would say Uriel or Raphael? Some of us would say those things. We might say, get up and say, cherubim, seraphim. We'd get into archangels, right? We'd start talking about that. Some of us would say guardian angels. Look at the picture of these angels gathering around God here. But when you become a Christian now, are you ready for this? When you become a Christian, and if you were to take a look, and I want to challenge you to do so, to look in the Gospel of John chapter 1, the Bible tells us that when we put Jesus in our heart, when we receive Him as Lord and Savior, we have the right to become the sons of God. Are you hearing me this morning? Y'all are kind of quiet. It's like a calf looking at a brand new gate out in the farmer's field. You get to become a new creation. You get to become a child of God. Incidentally, just theologically, to put it in perspective for you, listen to me for just a second, is when you become a Christian, you get to trade your old life for Jesus' life, who is the Son of God. And because you are now being seen by God as Jesus, you are a son or a daughter of God. Are you, are you hearing me? So you are a child of God. You get to be a part of that. Grafted in by right to be called a child of God. And so let's take a look here in Job chapter 1, excuse me, Job chapter 3, where we have the sons of God presenting themselves in front of God. Now think about this, God's people, God's court, God's heavenly help, however you want to look at it, doesn't matter. But what we need to learn from it is when God's people gather together, guess who else shows up? How many of you know that when the church gathers on Sunday morning, guess who else is there? And it doesn't matter what church it is. Pentecostal, Episcopalian, Baptist, Southern Baptist, non-denominational. Anytime God's people shows up, so does the devil. He likes to be wherever God's people are. He's a sneaky little snake. He's a dirty little rat. And when we let him in, he's always got something to say about somebody because he is an accuser. Are you hearing me this morning? Now, we could talk about the devil all day long. We talk about how he is an evil person. Yeah, he's the hostage God. He's the accuser. But what we really need to point out is that when God's people get together, there he comes, just moseying in. He walks right in like he owns the place. He walks right in like he belongs there. But how many of you know he doesn't belong in the presence of God? And one of these days, when Jesus Christ starts turning his creation back to where it belongs, he's going to not be found in heaven anymore. He needs not be found in a Christian's life. It's not. So the first point this morning is whenever the sons of God get together, Satan is definitely going to show up. And so when we gather together to worship, guess who else shows up? When we gather together to talk about God's Word, when we gather together to talk about God's plan, guess who else shows up? And most of the time, way too often, he shows up in the form of a church member. Somebody say amen again. He does. Now, I'm not preaching to anybody here this morning. I'm preaching on 30 years of experience. The devil works through church members all the time. He works through that which one is weakest in his spirituality. And when we become a carnal Christian, we open ourselves up to what the devil's doing. 
What does it mean to be a carnal Christian? Carnal. That's that Greek word for fleshy. In fact, the Greek word for flesh is stark. And I, I, I remember this when I was in the seminary. We used to talk about it being close to a shark. The shark was always eating at somebody, right? But we remember fleshy Christians, shark, carnal Christians, those who are worldly and those who have traded what God is doing for what's happening in the world. The things of the world begin to intrigue us. The things of the world started calling us away from God, from His Word, from worship, from His people, started drawing us away. And that's how the devil works in us. And when we start becoming carnal, we find ourselves taking on the achievement tone. Are you hearing me this morning? Is that the side you're walking this morning? Have you been accusing lately? Well, let me ask you a question. If you were truthful and honest, would you be carnal lately? Would you or have you been carnal? And you might be coming out of this say, Pastor, praise God, I've repented and I'm coming. Amen. We all need to do that. But the truth be told, if we start getting ourselves into the world, we find ourselves being open to what the devil's doing. Incidentally, we need to learn from Job 2 and verse 1. Whenever God's people gather together, the devil shows up as well. He always seems to show up in there. Now, let's take a look at that for a second. The sons of God, we said before, are the angels. And I believe that when we look at angels, you can't rule out the church. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that there's angels that get over the churches of those in Revelation. In fact, the angels are pastor in, those, in the context of Revelation. How many of you know your pastor is an angel and a star? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, guess what? You're an angel, too. You are. You become a child of God when you put Jesus in your heart. And when God's people get together, then we find out the devil likes nothing better than to slither his little sneaky self in there. That's fine, you little rat. He likes to get in there. When he gets around there, we're looking each other in the eye, and we're looking up at God. He's slithering around among our feet. We like to blame somebody else. We like to blame somebody else. When truth be told, it's just he's always been running around our feet. The devil. We got to get back to Genesis chapter three. We got to get back doing what God already told us to do. We need to start bruising his head, stomping on his head, because that's where he belongs underneath our feet. And when we turn our eyes back down, we find ourselves looking at somebody else. Touch me. Did you try to play footsie with me? Truth <laughs> is, you let them accuse. Let me give some examples that fit them out throughout our Bible here. Some examples. Jesus and his disciples, we are first examples. Look at John 6, verse 70. Wherever God's people are gathered, there the devil will be as well. Look at verse 70 of John chapter 6. Jesus answered them and said, Have not I chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. Uh oh. Wherever God's people are, guess what? There is the devil. You know, somebody once asked me, Pastor, do you think Judas Iscariot went to heaven? I quoted from John 6, 70, and I said, there's a good clue. What do you think? One of you is a devil. One of you is a devil. Wherever God's people are, there that sneaky little rat is. Look how Satan interferes with God's people. He's the accuser. Remember the Ashton What does he do? He goes around discouraging God's people. He accuses not just God's people, but other God's people. He accuses God to his 
children. God wasn't there for you. God didn't show up. God didn't give you what you wanted. God didn't honor your fasting. God didn't honor your faith. You didn't believe enough, or God wasn't listening to you. But what happens is, is we end up getting disturbed because we end up listening to what that little piece of faith has to say. He's the accuser. He discourages us. He lies to us. On top of that, he tries to lie to God. But thanks be to God, nothing catches God by surprise. Thanks be to God that God knows truth. He knows it completely. So I want to share with you something new now. Something that speaks to me and speaks to my heart all the time. And this is from the Gospel of Mark here. We're still looking at our first example about wherever God's people gather, the devil shows up as well. So let's take a look at Jesus' first experience after he comes out publicly in his ministry, after the uh, temptations, where he comes out after his baptism, he's tempted, remember, for 40 days inside the wilderness. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He's also trying to do God's will. In fact, he's going to do God's will perfectly, and the devil tempts him all three times in all three of those areas. Jesus comes out, and one of the first places he goes is, guess what? A synagogue. Look at see in Mark 1, 21. One of Jesus' first places to go. So we need to learn from that as well. Number one is Christians need to go to church, especially when we're weak, especially when we're hungry, especially when we feel defeated and accused and lied to, when we feel like God has left us. Get yourselves back to church. Do what Jesus did, and he went straight on in the synagogue. That's where we need to be. Somebody say amen this morning. Get yourself back in the church. Mark 1, 21. Look at this is 25 here. Then they wanted to capitalize him with the burn and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching. Of course they were. Jesus spoke with authority. Jesus spoke with meaning. Jesus spoke with purpose. His purpose was to lead them to a loving, saving relationship in Jesus Christ. It wasn't to prove a point. It wasn't to say, I'm right. It wasn't to say, listen to me, I'm a great teacher. It was so that they could come to know him as personal Lord and Savior. And I believe the church needs to get back on that number one focus. Our job, church, is to seek and to save the lost. Our job is to get ourselves out of this sanctuary into the lives of the lost, bringing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus went and spoke to them, and they were astonished at his teaching. When he talked to them, the Bible says, one having authority. Can you imagine hearing Jesus? Can you imagine hearing the voice of Jesus Christ? The one who said, let there be light, is now speaking. Everything he said, they just hung on every word. God is astonished. Look at me in verse 23. Now, there was a man in the synagogue with a what? Him. 
What's our point here this morning? Number one, whenever God's people get together, there the devil is. But one of the things we need to learn is that Jesus' first encounter with a demon is in the church. And one of our first encounters with the devil will always be in the church. And we need to learn that not everybody who steps foot inside the church is what they say they are. What we need to do is get into God's Word. And those that live God's Word are those that say what they are. In other words, don't tell me what you are. Show me what you are. In other words, don't go telling everybody what you are. Live out what you're supposed to be, and they will know without a doubt what you are, a believer in God. So, here we have Jesus with his first contact with a demon inside his church. And we need to realize this first point is whenever the sons of God gather together, when the church gets together, then the devil will be awesome. The devil likes nothing better than to try to change the subject, try to take the focus off of God and onto him or onto something else. And so you get a picture here of this unclean spirit saying, hey, take the focus off of God, take the focus off of Jesus, put it on us, put it on us, put it on us. And Jesus reverberates it back. He bounces it back and says, no, put it back on God the Father. Get out of him. Get gone because you have no authority in the house of God. Now, Let's take a look at our second one this morning. We're looking at our first one. We're looking at uh, with Jesus and the sons of God gathering together. That there the devil shows up as well. Well, you know something else that happens when God's people gather together? When you're especially when you're spiritually impressed, and you know what we do? We're learning about Job here. Uh, we can expect the holier than thou art group to show up as well. Have you ever had the holier than thou art group? Let me tell you a little bit about the holier than thou art group. The holier than thou art group goes around with a bucket full of water. And they cannot wait for someone to get on fire for God because all they want to do is douse them with that bucket. When I was a young Christian, we used to call them the bucket brigade. Remember them? And they'd go around putting out anybody's fire for anything they wanted to do with and for God. They would say, I've got to put that fire out and I've got to make myself look better than they do. I've got to keep them from making me embarrassed because they're doing something that I should be doing. The holier than now our people are the what we call the fire bucket brigade. They love to put out anybody's fire. They're also so holy that whenever they have a headache, they won't take anything less than St. Joseph's Aspirin. You ever met those people before? They're really not that holy at all. What they really are is stay where I am. Don't grow. Don't get better. Don't get active in your faith. Stay right where I am because I can control you there. We have Joe's three friends showing up. Bible tells us they sit seven days in silence. Now, there is a blessing in silence. I never believed this until I became a father. I can still hear my parents saying it to this day. Silence is golden. And you don't know what that means until you become a parent. And their kids are finally asleep and they're dead. You're thinking, praise God. Silence is golden. And in the moment someone speaks, you're like, silence is golden. Yeah, it is. Silence is golden. My goodness, when we get spiritually impressed, especially when the devil's accusing us and accusing those around us, we need to expect the holy of the now on group to show up as well. And you're going to find them because they gather around and they bide their time for just a second, just like Job's friend did. Now, they show up for seven days and they're completely quiet. Now, we know why they're quiet there. I don't know about you, but I think it's amazing how quiet they were. They show up for seven days. In fact, the Bible tells us they don't even recognize who Job is at first. They get close to him. They don't know who he is. He's so tortured. He's so much in torment. He's got boils from his head to his feet. He's crying. He's hurting. He's in pain. There's no 
his children are dead, his houses are falling down, his wealth is gone, and his wife is coming up saying, hey, go ahead and curse God and die. If anybody had a reason to feel sorry, it was Job. If anybody ever had a reason to suck his thumb and sit on a pity pot, it was Job. But Job did not do that. I love Job for that reason. Those friends sit down and they take a look at him. And I would imagine what they thought it was seven days. Can you imagine sitting somewhere for seven days? Completely quiet. What happens when you had to, to get up and go eat lunch? Did you say, excuse me, and break the silence? What happens if you see? Did you say, God bless you? What happened there when the Bible tells us that they are quiet for seven days? Let's examine Job's three friends. Let's take a look at Genesis 3, 11, and 15. The first one is Eliphaz. Remember now we're in point two. Number one, when God's children show up, the devil's sure to come as well. Number two, when God's children are going through something, and believe me, you will, expect the holier than now art group to show up as well. So let's examine Job's three friends. Number one, Eliphaz. Eliphaz's name means God of gold, or God is gold. This is that guy that says, you know, my relationship with God is better than yours. He's one of those that says, I never have any bad times because I'm always right. You ever met that guy? You ever met him? That's an Eliphaz. They're not necessarily bad people. They're just people that don't understand you at all. Can I tell you a little secret? Nobody understands you better than you do. How did I know that? Because no one understands me better than I do. I happen to live here with me. I know me better than I do. I know me better than my doctor does. My doctor would say, no one knows you better than I do. I'm like, you're wrong. I live here. I know me. And I know when something's hurting. I know when something's wrong. My body is sure to tell me. And incidentally, Christian, when something's wrong in your spirit, the Holy Spirit is sure to tell you. It's sure to tell you. And incidentally, so do the holier than thou are people. They love to show up and tell you, don't they? Eliphaz, whose name means God of gold or God is gold, shows up with an attitude that my relationship with God is better than your relationship with God. Or deep down aside with a name that literally means idol maker. I make my God out of gold. He has an attitude that my relationship with God is better than yours. Let's take a look at the second one. Bildad. His name, you don't really know much about. An uncertain builder. One of those guys that says, I don't really know what to do, where to go, what to say, or how to say. He's one of those guys that says, I don't know all the time. You ever had one of those guys before? I don't know. He's an I don't know kind of guy. He will lead you astray with uncertainty. Have you ever had one of those as well, too? I'm afraid to answer anything. I'm afraid to say anything. Well, if the church has been that way for the last 100 years, look at what the culture has reflected around us. We've been uncertain on whether or not we should preach the gospel. We've been uncertain whether or not we should point a holy finger at a corrupt government. We've been uncertain of whether we should address drugs, address homosexuality, address abortion. And because of our uncertainty, our culture now is reflecting our I don't know kind of attitude. When deep down inside, we did know. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. We know God's word. We know God's promises on it. And I believe we can get back on the right path by becoming a certain group of people certain about certain things. What are those things we need to be certain about? Number one, that God is still in control. Number two, that God's word is infallible, inerrant, inspired. We can trust it and we can walk on it. And number three, be 
Jesus Christ is Lord and He's coming back again. We need to be certain about those things. Don't be a Bildad. He's uncertain about anything. He'll lead you astray with that uncertainty. And the next thing God, I don't know. I don't know. But ask Him, because I'm going to tell you, I don't know. I can't stand that answer. I don't know. It's okay to say I don't know certain things. But your dad didn't know about anything. I don't know. I don't know. Should I go ahead and curse God and die? I don't know. You know what? Good thing Judas Iscariot didn't talk to Bill Dad. Should I go out and hang myself? I don't know. Is that the kind of Christian you want to talk to? Don't be a Bill Dad. Let's take a look at the third guy. I'm running out of time here. So far, his name literally means departed. That's right. You know, uh, you're hurting. I ain't. So I ain't hanging around unless somebody else is watching you. Then I'll hang around, but my heart ain't in it. See that kind of thing. Never had a Zophar in your life? Only be around so long as there's some sort of benefit for me, some sort of kudos for me, some sort of spiritual look at that great God there. I know you're hurting. I know I don't want to be here. And as soon as everybody quits looking, I'm going to find a way out. Are you a good farm? Are you having a good farm in your life right now? Here's a question that Job has. And I think the question we're supposed to ask. What about God? What about God? Where's He? We know where the devil is. He's going around accusing people. And incidentally, he's still very active today. Amen? We know who the Eliphazes are. They're going around saying, my relationship's better than your relationship. There's those guys that think, anything you can do, I can do better. Yeah. You ever met that one? He's a one-upper. Yeah. I caught a fish this big. Yeah, well, I caught one yesterday back here. A one-upper. No matter where you are, what story you're telling. Yeah, well, this happened to me last week. We got to build that. One goes and says, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Really, what he's saying is, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Can I tell you a secret, Christian? Nobody cares about what you know until they know how much you care. And of course, we have that final guy. I want to get out of here. As soon as I can, as soon as no one will blame me for me, I have those times in the church as well. Funny, you can go to McDonald's a million times. You know, mess up your order, 999,999 times, and you'll go back tomorrow. You go to church, have one little mistake, and guess what they'll be? I ain't ever going back. Isn't that amazing? That's the kind of people that we're working with today, and that the devil finds easy to move on. Accuse you. Your question is, what about God? Where is he? What's he doing? Job had that question too. It's a legitimate question. It's okay to say, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? God, I'm not hearing you. You know what? God's got lots and lots and lots to say. The problem is, is we're not listening anymore. Look at the end of Job 2. Let's just see if verse 3 gets quick enough. And the Lord said unto Satan, See, God is talking. He says something to Satan. Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him? Listen to what God says about Job. What a blessing. God the Father, the Almighty, the El Elyon, Jehovah, the one who 
created this world, the one who is omnipotent, omnipresent, the one who is omniscient, that one who has all power, says to the devil, there's none like One that fears God. Because that old King James word, excuses. Well, I'd like to use that in the modern day context. My son, excuses broccoli. <laughs> what does excuses mean? Son. Take it to the Holy Spirit. He excuses me. And still he holds it back. You can take iniquity. You can take sin. You can take unrighteousness. You still hold on to your integrity. We need to do that, church. We need to have a holy voice in the world again that says we won't be a part of evil. We won't be a part of unrighteousness. Instead, we're going to eschew evil and we will hold to our integrity. What makes a Christian a person of integrity? One who follows God's way, God's will, God's word, who believes, who holds on to, who receives, and the one who follows Jesus. God says, though you move me again, Children, his wife, his money. The moment you let me touch his skin, he's going to give up that nail that a man has that he gives to his wife. You know somebody like that this morning? Just inside me? Hey man, it's all about me. I want to stay alive. I want to live. Can I tell you something? You're not going. No matter how hard you try, no matter how many doctors you see, you're going. You are. God guarantees God told Adam the day you eat of it, Adam, thou shalt surely die. God says in the prophet Ezekiel, the day the soul sinneth, it shall surely die. God tells us the wages of sin is death, and there is no one in sin. This body is going to die. There's nothing we can do about it. This body is going to pass away, and you're going to try and try and try to keep it alive, but deep down inside, it's got to pass away to make the Word of God this sinful body can't be in his sight. We're going to get a new body. A complete one, a sinless one that doesn't need glasses. Somebody say, Amen. One that's not too fast. One that's six foot tall. <laughs> the devil says, Pour down thine hand and touch his bone in his flesh, and he will hurt thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thy hand, and save his life. Notice, church, that God even concerned us. Not one iota of it. We get concerned, but God does. You need to know that there is absolutely nothing that catches God by surprise. Nothing that ever catches him off guard. Not one thing does God ever say, I didn't know about that. Not one thing that God said, I didn't see that coming. God knows all. God is above all. God is in charge of all. And incidentally, He's still in charge today. Yes, it's 2023. He's still in control. And He's still got His hand on the church. And He's still got a mission and a purpose for us. And there's nothing this world can throw at us that He hasn't already figured in. And He's already told us that the gates of hell will never, ever prevail against Him. Church, because we are the sons of God. Somebody say amen. 
nothing catches them by surprise. Here's some examples for you. First Samuel 17, 47. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord, and He will give you into our hands. Guess why? There's nothing that catches God by surprise. Want to see another one? Romans 8, 37 here. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. How about Romans 8, 31? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? How about Psalm 27? Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we remember the name of the Lord our God. How about Psalm 18, 3? I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies.
Quit being Galatians 6.14. But God forbid, this is the Apostle Paul, that I should boast. And believe me, Paul had reason to boast. As a Pharisee, he was faultless. He was faultless in keeping the Jewish law. As a righteous man, he had zeal for the Pharisaic tradition.
years ago, he had that perfect game. I'd be worried. I'd be like, where did I miss the rapture at? <laughs> it's not going to happen until he comes home. Because we will be coming. It's part of what I'm having. That's the pastor. I am a member. I had to say, mom says, dad says, I need to get back to that. I need to get back to that. I haven't been baptized. What is baptism? Baptism is a message to the world. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and thank you for your word. Let you come to so that you and you can make this person more so you and you can help us. And let today be that. Lord God, please, bring to us. May that name be for us. And come to us in your name. May you be found in the name of Jesus Christ.
forget tonight, uh, 4.30 choir practice. Don't forget 6 o'clock Monday game. And afterwards, we have John Brown. Don't stand. There's going to be a lasagna there. So praise God. Come and help me eat that. And I'll sweet talk to somebody in the front of the there and put <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. So, anyways, with that being said, we have a very busy afternoon. You are welcome and invited to come be a part of that. Help us celebrate that for a good time and a good service. Uh, don't forget Monday night experience with God. And don't forget our upcoming events as well, such as men's Bible study and here in the St. Gabriel Bulletins and on Friday. And also, you can find them on our RGC website at rgcgo.org. So, let's close in that word of prayer. Hello.